episode of the iRace We Gamble podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Alex Crum, and I'm joined again, and as always, by Josh Simer. Crum, it's good to be back. That was a fun Daytona 500, and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how this season continues on, because right now it's looking like my playoff prediction is going to be real bad. You're uh, 0 for 1, I guess, kind of, if, if we're counting uh, the winner of the Daytona 500 as the first one in the playoffs. Yeah, kind of got all right. Yeah, but I mean, I wouldn't have predicted Michael McDowell last year, so it's hard to hard to take too much stock in that. I did want to say uh, I did update the iRace We Gamble Twitter handle, um, added a little bit of a different logo, um, just a different font, and then also decided to make uh, a next-gen Toyota Camry that had the iRace We Gamble sponsorship on it, so... Uh, check the Twitter at iRaceWeGamble. Uh, I'm going to tweet some pictures out and stuff like that. And obviously you can see the new logo in the profile picture. Um, tell us what you think on there. And uh, if you want any long-form feedback or questions you want to send to us, you can reach out to us at iRaceWeGamble at gmail.com. And maybe you'll see, if you're doing any iRacing, you might see uh, my car out there on the track because that's where it'll be. Um, which... I must say, I had a pretty rough week again with uh, iRacing. Did not have a lot of good races. Felt like I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time almost the entire time. Um, but I, I did gain a little bit of an appreciation for Auto Club, which is the track that uh, NASCAR is going to this weekend. Um, it hasn't been on a schedule for at least a year, maybe two. Um, and so I haven't really driven it much in the game because I usually just drive whatever racetrack the Cup Series is driving at. Done a couple of small events, but nothing major. Um, but driving it in the next-gen car, I think it's pretty accurate to say it's a hybrid of, like, Darlington or Atlanta and Michigan because it's a really old, worn-out surface like you have at Darlington and Atlanta. Um, it's got the feel of a Michigan in terms of its size because it's two mile, kind of like broad oval, really wide. Um, Atlanta, just because of the the old surface, at least, um, I think it's going to drive a little bit like that. So basically what I'm saying is any driver that you like at those tracks, and I do feel like this is going to be another driver's sort of track. Um, those are people I'd look for in my lineup this week, uh, but we'll get to that later. Uh, one thing I did notice uh at fontana at the auto club speedway is that when i was coming out of turn four i think i was so used to michigan and i like the exit of the corner it isn't as sweeping as you expect you sort of come off the corner and feel like all right i can let some wheel out now and then all of a sudden you're like hitting the wall so you really got to finish the corner in turn four it's a it's a you might want like a later apex in that set of corners i guess um just something i noticed and I also noticed that draft is still a big factor. Once you kind of get strung out a little bit, some worn tires, you kind of have to like draft up to the guy in front of you and find a good opportunity to either slide underneath him or try to get on his outside in the entry to the corner or something like that. Um, it's it's definitely a difficult track to, to drive, uh, but you're still going to have to use the draft a little bit. No big events this week. Um, kind of excited for the season. Glad to get the the car 
sort of reskinned with some cool colors and paint scheme stuff. Josh, I know you, you got to look at it early. Uh, what did, what did you think of the car? I loved it. And I also like to see it. I got to the pleasure of seeing it as it was being built and in the prototype mode. And it's, uh, it looks really, really nice. I, it, the color schemes crisp. There's a dog on the trunk. <laughs> it's it's great. Yeah, I had to find a way to put dash on the car somewhere. Not too uh, intrusive on the design, but somewhere that if you watch the replay, replay, you'll be like, oh, look at that. Um. So yeah, excited for that. Check out the car, like I said, on Twitter or uh, maybe in a race. Um, no big news out of F1 other than they started practicing. Um, and then I guess bigger news happened all of a sudden. Uh, I think it was announced today. Um, that they're not going to be going to the Russian Grand Prix. And with good reason, with the amount of aggression that Russia is showing towards Ukraine right now, it's pretty upsetting. But uh, we're not we're not going to dive too deep into that other than to say F1's not going there, and I think that's probably the right move. Okay, let's jump to the probably one of the better Daytona 500s I've seen in a while. Um, at least wasn't rain-delayed or complicated by some craziness um for the most part although i will say the production of the like on fox wasn't the greatest it felt like they had a lot of bad luck where they would switch to a camera or go to a side-by-side commercial right as things um were you know ramping up or there would be a crash or lead change so production wasn't perfect but i think in terms of the racing it was really good um before we get into what happened in the race josh i know uh, we did our playoff predictions last week, and you did not include the two of Austin Cindric. So he is now, like most likely, unless there's a ton of different winners locked in to the playoffs. Who are you dropping anyone right now? Who, who's your pick to drop off of the, uh, the playoff hunt? Oh, I made this easy for myself in the predictions. I'm dropping the 31 of Justin Haley off of my predictions. <laughs> That's fair. You did have him as a very dark horse, and he is now no longer a horse in your race as you see it. Yeah, I would. I mean, at this point now, he's definitely got to win. Mm-hmm. Well, he was one of two teams that were penalized by NASCAR for having loose wheels. Um, and that was sort of an interesting issue during the race. I retweeted some technical uh, discussions that were on Twitter. Um, about why the new wheels are kind of hard to get on or get off or make sure they're secure to the car. Um, But ultimately, the 31 and the 50 both lost wheels during the race, and so both teams were penalized very heavily um, with a four-race suspension for their crew chiefs and two other crew members, I think the ones responsible for that particular wheel. So big penalties handed out, but the 31 of Haley, they're uh, appealing the ruling because from the replay and what they showed on TV, it wasn't clear whether the wheel itself broke or whether it was loose or maybe it broke because it was loose. NASCAR determined it was their fault. They appealed. And for now they're going to keep their crew chief while NASCAR hears the appeal. So they're not going to get a suspension this week, but if the uh, ruling is upheld, then they'll still miss four weeks. It just won't be starting now. It'll start whenever the ruling is determined. Another aspect, actually, not just the wheels, but the tires uh, on some of the cars, like when they went flat after spinning out, 
they had a hard time getting going again because the rims are so big and the have such a uh, small sidewall. There's not much uh, room for an interliner or anything to keep the wheel rolling. I know Joey Logano complained a lot about that and uh, it looked like a couple other Fords had that issue. But um, if the Fords that weren't in a wreck, uh, they, they seem to do pretty well, Josh. Yeah, the Fords had a good day. Four of the top five were Fords. Um, it's tough to say whether or not they actually dominated the race, but they definitely had the most dominant cars. They were always up near the front. Brad Kozlowski was moving them out of the way so that he could be there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a good day for Fords. We kind of had that feeling going in based on how the practice and qualifying was going. Um, my gut is telling me that I'm going to continue to ride Fords as I build my lineups for FanDuel. But I do want to say that we should just keep an eye on the practice and qualifying coming up on Saturday just to kind of confirm what I think we're going to see is the Forge just having something moving forward early on in the season right now. Yeah, it's definitely possible. I I did, uh, right before the podcast, uh, retweet an article from Bob Pachris, who we obviously follow on Twitter and look at his stuff because he's he's great. Um, but he had an article about the practice sessions and the fact that they're so short, they're almost like a, like a pre-qualifying sort of hot lap where you can basically like try to make a couple qualifying runs. Or if you want to like get a long run in your car and just like see how it feels to go out there for 30 laps, um, you could spend the whole session doing that. But if you come go out on the track and your car's driving really bad and you need to make changes, you're not gonna, you're not gonna have a lot of time to sort of, you know get out there make changes, see how that feels and then decide if it's better. Um, I think it's only like 15 minute practice sessions. So it's really just a shakedown to see if the car's good to go. But yeah, qualifying definitely is going to tell us a lot. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, if there's guys that are super fast in practice, does it translate into qualifying? Um, and then does it translate into the race on Sunday? I think if it, if you see somebody who is like fast and practiced and fast and qualifying, kind of like we saw Kyle Bush at the clash, um, that's somebody I would have an eye on for sure. So good point about the qualifying. There were lots of wrecks in this Daytona 500. Despite the good racing, we still managed to demolish a bunch of cars, even though teams have a shortage of parts and supplies. Yeah. And it was mostly thanks to Brad Kozlowski. Um, I don't know what he was doing out there. He just seemed reckless the entire race right down to the end. Um, I don't, I mean, it's Daytona, so we're expecting wrecks, but the fact that like almost three quarters of the field was involved in a wreck at some point is kind of wild. Yeah. It, it felt like things were a little too aggressive in stage one. Um, specifically Brad with his pushing. I, I mean, Harrison Burton, who got pushed, didn't like it. Uh, some of the other drivers I saw on Radioactive didn't like that push. Um, I mean, obviously, they're going to be a little biased if they got caught up in the wreck. And he probably thought that he could handle that kind of push. I'm sure he didn't do it to wreck everybody. But you got to kind of weigh the risk versus reward. Like, what's the reward of pushing Harrison Burton a little bit on the back straightaway in stage one versus maybe I'll just, you know, not push him so hard and you know maybe i won't get the lead or finish in the top five but maybe i also won't wreck 
15 cars or whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it 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 was bad. You know, he got Burton. He also got Stenhouse the same way. And then I think if he just lets, if he doesn't go up so high on that last corner and lets Briscoe run the wall with all the stuff happening down at the bottom of the track at the same time, Briscoe maybe could have snuck around and got the win. I doubt it. Um, but either way, it was it was cool to see Sindrick go out and, you know, he's a rookie this year, even though he's done a ton of these races. But just just cool to see a rookie go out and get a Daytona 500 win. That was, I mean, it was fun. What did you think about the finish, Chrome? Um, I enjoyed it in terms of just like overall, I thought it was really good. Obviously, as a fan of Kyle Busch and him being in the hunt there at the end, I was hoping he would find his way up there. Um, and then second to him, I was hoping Bubba would find his way up there. Um, being the sort of Toyota and the Jordan team, I think that's kind of cool. So, uh, yeah, I, I was hoping for different things fan wise, but I thought, you know, Cindric kind of blocked Blaney into the wall a little bit coming to the checkered. And I think if anything, that probably would have prevented Briscoe from getting that outside run to really work is like having Blaney basically pushed up in front of him at the last second, which maybe it would have been a wreck. Honestly, um, that's also a possibility with the way things ended. There was still a wreck at the, at the finish either way. Um, but I, I think it's all fair. I mean, he's trying to block. He didn't completely screw it up and wreck himself trying to block. So it wasn't that bad. Um, I think Blaney was pissed because he was like, hey, I pushed you the entire last two laps and I just wanted to race it out at the end. But uh, I've also seen Blaney pull that same move at Talladega to win a race. So I don't think he can be that upset. It's the Daytona 500. No one's going to you know, be super polite in that last few uh, few feet. So. I thought it was a good finish. Um, wasn't looking for Penske to win, but it wasn't Joey Logano, so I can I can live with that. Uh, <laughs> did, did you think it was clean from Brisk or not Briscoe? Sorry, did you think it was clean from Cendric to to kind of come up a little bit and block Blaney? Or do you have any problem with that or no? Not really. Yeah, I mean you're you're going out to try to win the race, and you're one turn away from the finish line, so. Yeah, I, it's one thing if it was in stage one, right? Where it's like, okay, you just put me in the wall to win the stage. That's kind of BS. But for the yeah. 800, I'll take it. Yeah, that's yep. All right. Well, that that takes care of the race, I think. Uh, do you want to say Kyle Busch finishing sixth? Super happy about that, if if nothing else. Um, but your ideal lineup did not include Kyle Busch. Uh, did have your first and second place finishers, and then you have to go down to fourth, fifth, and eighth um, because it included Brad, or sorry, Austin Sendrick. I wanted to say Brad Kozlowski because it's the two car. Austin Sendrick in the two car winning the race, leading a few laps, 21. Not, it wasn't really a lap leader kind of race. It was, it was a weird race, honestly. I, I couldn't have predicted who would be in the side of the lineup beforehand, obviously. But yeah, Austin Sendrick finishing first, Bubba Wallace and finishing second he picked up a decent number of places and then you have eric almirola scoring the most points when he finished fifth because of that 33 place differential so my buy low finds its way in there so i guess that part of it right 
Um, and then surprisingly, you've got David Reagan in the 15, although he is known for finding a way to finish up front at these races. I wouldn't have predicted, uh, what was it, eighth? But I mean, he was one of those guys I was writing off as like a, hey, don't, don't put him in your lineups because if there aren't a lot of crashes, which I was wrong, there were, but if there aren't, he isn't going to finish in the top 30. But there were lots of wrecks, and he once you get to that late stage of the plate races, he knows how to get to the front, and so he did that, and he finished eighth, and that was a solid day from him, especially only at a three thousand salary. That's really nuts in terms of value. Uh, then Ryan Blaney rounds it out. He was your most expensive driver in the ideal lineup, twelve point five thousand. Solid finishing fourth, led some laps. Obviously wanted to win at the end there, like we talked about, but didn't quite get past Cindric, so. Um, our locks were both involved in wrecks, so that kind of screwed us up from that perspective, but uh, I still went 1.5x in my tournament, and my cash missed um, mostly because I just had a lot of guys in wrecks the 11, the 38, and the 4 I had the 12 in the, that lineup, which was decent, and my, my tournament lineup had the 10 and the 12, which really saved me, um, but on DraftKings I actually uh, doubled up in my cash there, um, had the 10, 12, the 41, the 17, the 11, and the 44 in that lineup. So had enough good drivers. I think the 10 and the 12 were really the key to my winnings in uh, daily fantasy, at least. I made a couple bets during the race, uh, unit each uh, on Truex late because he was still in the race, and Kyle Busch uh, at some point because he looked really strong in the beginning. But obviously that didn't work out in my favor, so didn't make any money on the, on the sports book this week. How do you do, Josh? Um, it wasn't a terrible weekend. Uh, I had my my best bet of the week was on Briscoe for a top ten, and that was at plus two ten. So that was nice. So I was able to cash on that as far as the uh, sports book stuff goes. Uh, my tournament was absolutely terrible. The <laughs> eleven, the eleven, the forty three, and the forty four. Don't know what happened with the 44. The 11 and the 43 both got caught up in nonsense. And then rounding out with the 22 and the 45, who were just mediocre, was was bad. Uh, but my FanDuel uh, 50-50 cash game hit with Sindrick, Kyle Bush, and actually Jacques Villeneuve. Nice. Yeah. Did I pronounce that right? You did. You did. I, I'm very impressed. Nice. <laughs> he, he was one of those guys that I was like, hey, don't don't put him in your lineup, of, you know, because he's going to be a bottom 10 car. But a bottom 10 car will finish in the top 20 if there's, th- you know, 20 other cars in the wrecks. Yeah. Um, and he started in dead last. So you got a ton of place differential for him just moving up to what did he move up to? He moved up to 23rd, 24th. I have 22nd here for some reason. 22nd. So, yeah. 17th in points, though, because he started at the back. So the 18 place differential was really helpful there. Yeah. So he ended up being a great option, which made the top of my lineup expensive. So that worked out for cash. Yeah. Um, and then the lineup that I liked 
in the Daytona preview article that I wrote for the website was Denny Hamlin and Logano, who were both not great. But then I had the 10 of Almirola, who was the top points getter, the 14 of Briscoe, who didn't get a lot of – he didn't lead laps or make up a lot of places. I think he started sixth and finished third. But he finished the race up high, so he was still a really nice play. And then the three of Austin Dillon was just fine. It, it was enough to round it out and get to 1.5x in the main tournament. Yeah, he was kind of at the floor of at least getting you some points. Um, yeah, and I think uh, Briscoe gained six spots, so he started ninth and finished third. But yeah, ninth to third. Multiples of three. That's how they get you. Um, obviously, the steer clear for this week was just people who crashed that probably started up front. So, yeah, Byron, Hamlin, Larson, Bowman, Harvick, three Hendrick cars. I really don't understand. Hendrick always comes out to Daytona and, like, like qualifies top four or top five with all their cars. Like, always takes the front row of Daytona for the past, like, four years. And yet... In the races, they never seem to show as much speed as the Fords and Toyotas. Because to your point, I mean, you you wrote about it in that article um, for the website, which I, I forgot to mention, iraceweegamble.com. Currently live and has has Josh's Daytona 500 preview, if you want to look back on that. Uh, but you talked about all the Fords and how well they would do. And I think the only challenge we really saw was when all the Toyotas were still in the race, they looked pretty strong when they had Kyle Busch and Truex and uh, Hamlin and Bell, Bubba all lined up together, they were pretty, pretty strong. But that first wreck, first big wreck, took out Hamlin and Bell. Um, and from there, it was, you know, it's a lot harder to get momentum with just three or four cars than it is with six. So Toyotas really didn't find their way uh, in qualifying either, like similar to the Fords, but they were fast in the race. So. Interesting note, I think, from the super speedways. Uh, something to keep an eye on for Talladega. If you see all the Chevys qualify up front, maybe fade them. Um, my draft lineup. We have to talk about my draft lineup. I totally forgot how well this did. <laughs> <laughs> I have yeah. the 10 of Almirola, the 2 of Cindric, the 12 of Blaney, three, in your, uh, three of the guys in, in your uh, ideal lineup. Um, wait, no, four? I have, all, I have four guys from the Ivy lineup in there. The 10, the 23, the 2, and the 12. The only one I had wrong was Harvick uh, instead of Reagan. And unfortunately, I didn't put this lineup in anything. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't try to win money on my own tournament lineup. So, Crumb, would you like to know how it did? Yeah, I would love to know. In a quarter tournament, it finished out of... 38,323 entries, your draft lineup finished 62nd. Oh, my God. And paid out $4 on a quarter entry. So that's like 16x? Yep. Oh, my God. (laughs) All right. And that's why I enter both of our draft lineups every single week. Yeah. For the rest of the season, I'm at least entering my own. But I always just enter them into quarter lineups. Yeah, because, yeah, no, small risk, fun reward. Yeah, 296 in the main tournament. I'm a little bit curious to see where that would have finished. Yeah, oh, God, I don't want to look, actually. 
but I, so I got the win. We've we've only done one official draft, and it's been after qualifying. But this week we're gonna obviously do the draft before qualifying, and then after qualifying on Saturday we'll find some time to just text each other or do it on Twitter um, so that people can see us draft what we think uh, after qualifying as well. So we'll keep track of pre-qualifying drafts and post-qualifying drafts, very separate entities. Um, maybe it'll tell us something about how qualifying affects our thoughts and whether one of us overthinks it way too much. Probably me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it'll, it'll be fun to do. Um, you have anything else you wanted to mention about uh, the Daytona 500 before we go to California again? No, but I did look where your lineup would have finished in the main tournament. It would have finished 94th and would have paid out $35 on a $7 entry. All right. I can, 35 bucks is nice and all. I can live with the fact that I didn't make, you know, 20 or 30 bucks that I could have. It's, if it was like I'm missing out on a thousand, I'd be okay. I'd be a little way more upset. (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. But, uh, okay. I lost 20, 30 bucks. I can, I can handle that. Uh, all right, California. They're going back. They were just there. I the schedule doesn't make sense, but who cares? Um, two hundred laps, sixty-five laps for stage one and two, and then seventy laps for the final stage. So, kind of split into thirds, pretty basically. Um, the fuel run, I'm guessing, because I haven't seen. I checked Bob Parker's Twitter, which usually has the estimates if if there is one. Didn't see anything there, and maybe there'll be a better estimate after qualifying or after practice. But in any case, I'm guessing they can go close to 50 laps because that's what they could do with the old car. And basically what that just means is there'll probably be one pit stop in the middle of each stage, assuming no cautions, and then obviously pitting at the end of each stage. And very abrasive track. You're going to want tires anytime there's a caution. So the only time fuel strategy could come into play is if there's... I guess a pit stop with like close to 50 to go in a stage or at the end of the race. So keep an eye on that, I guess. But um, like I said, I'm guessing just, just pay attention to what that fuel mileage number is. So if there's a caution with some amount of laps left, you can kind of figure out, okay, they, can they make it or not? Um, and just to, sh- <laughs> to highlight the point that they will need tires and will use them at all costs, they get 12 sets for the race. Which, if there are no cautions besides the stage breaks, you figure they're going to pit six times. So they have double the amount they need in that scenario um, because they are going to be wanting them all race long. Uh, one yeah, set that's five. a set of tires every 17 laps. Yeah. <laughs> and they will do it. Although early on, I could see if, it's, if it ten- ends up being a caution-heavy race, it's going to be weird because teams want to save tires for the end. So we'll see how that all goes. Um, that's really all I got. Obviously, we don't know practice qualifying stuff yet. Um, I can tell you that the 36 teams that are entering this, I think, are the same 36 teams that entered the LA Clash. So nobody outside of the charter teams made the trip out west, which makes sense because the charter teams are kind of supported a bit more. And so making that trip is easier for them as opposed to an independent team. Um, a couple new drivers, though, sort of, I guess you could say, or at least different drivers in the driver's seat. Um, you've got uh, Daniel Hemrick in the 16, which he was last week, but A.J. Allmendinger drove that at the L.A. Clash. 
So that's a ride that sometimes sees different drivers in the 16 of Colleague. Um, and then the Rick Ware entry 15 is going to be driven by Garrett Smithley this week. And the 77 for Spire Motorsports is going to be driven by Josh Balicki. So those are your three, I guess you call them part-time drivers that are still in this race. All right. So with all that said, the other 33 drivers remain the same as what we're used to. Um, but yeah, I think uh, at this point it's time to just get into the draft. What do you think, Josh? I'm ready. You have the first pick, so lead the way. I do, don't I? Hmm. That actually now I'm now I'm I don't know if I'm ready. Ah, let's see. I think I'm going to go with the well, last week's strategy did work out for me in terms of the draft. I was about to change my strategy and then I realized how well the draft went for me last week. So, okay, hold on. Let's go with some hopeful value plays. Um, I guess I'll just start with my buy low. Um, I'm going to guess that Daniel Suarez kind of qualifies mid-pack. That team showed good speed in general last year. I think another year of experience. I think he's a good enough driver that he'll finish top 15, uh, hopefully. Maybe that's a stretch. I don't know. Hard to say with these cars, really. But yeah, I'm going to go with Suarez first as my buy low as well. All right. It's an interesting strategy. Makes me feel like I should take my value pick right away, too. Yeah, but you know, if I took mine, you don't like I might go to high price value now. So you maybe you don't need to go to yours because, you know, I already have mine. That's true. Got a draft. Um, <laughs> well, I'm going to start it in a way that I don't usually actually probably never have, probably never will again. Um. <laughs> And I'm going to take the Bush brothers. Oh, my. Yeah, I'm going to take both Kurt and Kyle. They're both really good here. They're both really good on this style of track. And uh, I think you probably would have liked to have had one of them. So I'm going to take both. That's fair. Uh, I definitely wanted Kyle. I realized after I took Suarez, I probably wasn't going to get Kyle because you'll probably scoop him up. Um. Like I mentioned earlier, they haven't been to California really recently, so the driver averages that we're looking at um, are really just like average finish in general for any current drivers. Um, And if you look at that, Chase Elliott's, I think, number one at 9.4 in five races. Kyle Busch is 9.59 in 22 races, and he's got four wins here. So Kyle Busch is a great pick. And he's 500 cheaper. Yeah, yeah, he is indeed. And so uh, I think I'm going to go Truex next. Um, I think he's the next best Joe Gibbs guy, given his ability to do pretty well on these larger tracks with worn out asphalt. Um, And then I think I'm going to go Blaney next as another good driver here. His average finish. Oh, I'm, I'm way off. He's, his average finish is 15.2. Let me think about this. Hold on. <laughs> uh, and now looking at this again, I guess Truex has 17.45. I guess something to remember for Truex, though, is he had a long stretch early in his career where he wasn't that great. So that kind of skews his statistics because we're looking at 
what, 17 starts for him here? 20, sorry. Um, so, but Blaney only has five starts. So this is, hmm, okay. I still like my true X pick. I'm going to stick with that. But I think instead of Blaney, I'm going to go with, I'll go Tyler Reddick at 9.5 thousand. Um, I think that's, he's priced higher than he typically is, but I think that's for a good reason. I think, you know, Homestead's maybe another good comparison to this track with some worn out surface. Um, I think he could do pretty well here running the high line. So just to recap, cause I said about a million names, I'm going Truex and, uh, Hamrick or Reddick. Reddick. Sorry. Can't even speak properly. Yeah. I, I really like the Reddick pick. He is definitely on my radar coming up to these two for me. Mm-hmm. Well, you have the next two. What do you think? Well, I need to get some Fords in here. <laughs> Still riding that train. That makes sense. So I'm going to take... I'm going to take my boy Harvick. Okay. And it pains me to say this, but I'm going to take the six of Kozlowski. Ew. <laughs> you just think that the Ford is enough and he's experienced, I guess. Yeah, he's decently ranked on driver averages both recently and all time. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride those stats of of how he's been and um honestly to get Kevin Harvick at ninety seven hundred and Brad Kozowski at nine thousand both feel like pretty good prices. Yeah, I feel like the those prices will probably go up over the course of the year. If if I had actually uh, made the stock market game, I talked about in the off season or thought about, I think like their their stock would be rising throughout the season probably. Um, obviously, it's very speculative. We don't know for sure yet. Um, I think in response to that, I I know Kyle Larson doesn't have the best record at this track, but I think. Last year, the fact that he's available at what pick eight, um, yeah, I have the budget, I can afford him. I have 24,000 left, so if I pick him, I can go to 10,000 for my next driver. I know it's a Chevy and not a Ford, I have zero Fords in my lineup, but I'm gonna throw Larson in there, and then I'm probably just gonna look for the next Ford that can fit, which would have been Kevin Harvick and Brad Keselowski. So, thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Screw the Fords. I'm going to predict it's a, you're wrong and I'm right. And not that I'm right, actually. I don't actually believe this, so I can't say that I'm right, but I'm going to predict you're wrong. And so I'm going to go with Bowman uh, for 10,000. Um, just because he's probably going to have some good races here and there. I don't know when they'll happen, but let's hopefully it happens this weekend for him. He's um, one here, Hansen. Has he really? I don't think so, but I could be wrong. Oh, he did. He has sure one. he has. He has one. All right. So there you go. That's enough justification for me. <laughs> so your line, that lineup that you just drafted that I'm looking at is a 2021 lineup through and through. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> Last year, this lineup, I would love every single bit of it. Yeah. And I mean, hey, maybe, maybe this will be like last year. I don't dislike it now. Yeah. It's just not as sure, not a surefire as it would have been last year. Yeah. 
Um, so now I have a lot of room to work with for my last pick. Yeah, how much budget do you have up? Uh, 9,100. Mm. Yeah, so I go. can do a lot here, but I'm going to actually take my buy low. I'm going to leave a lot of budget on the table with this, but I'm going to round this out with the 14 of Briscoe. Mm, yeah, probably a bit underpriced for sure. It's 5.5. Yeah, that seems way too low. Yeah. That's how I feel about Suarez at four something. Is he your buy low, you think? Briscoe, yeah. Briscoe's definitely my buy low. All right. Yeah. That's very fair. I don't, I can't uh, say anything bad about that. Um, you have a lot. I have it. I'm having a hard time with my lock. So I'll say I think my lock, if I'm if I'm really thinking about it, has got to be Kyle Busch because that's just I, I have enough fan bias to just make him tip over the edge. If I had your spot and you like, let's say you took, um, no, let's say you took Briscoe first the way I took my Bylot first, uh, I would have gone uh, Kyle Busch and. Daniel Suarez is my first two picks, I think. So Kyle Bush and uh, Suarez, I think, are my lock and buy low. If you're looking for a lock, that is tough. I Yeah, so if you're taking Kyle, I'm just going to go ahead and say Harvick. Yeah, might as well. Because they were, they were the two that I was considering. Harvick's price is really nice. You, you could probably make a really good lineup out of that, so... There's a high likelihood that you end up with a, a better a better lock lineup. Because I do I do calculate the basically the ideal lineup given our locks or given our buy lows. Um so you might win out in that this time, um, just based on his salary. And you know, I, I don't think Kevin Harvick typically qualifies that well, so that could fall into your favor. I, I did some projecting of where I think people will qualify, and I have Harvick qualifying 20th and Kyle Wood qualifying third. And if they both finish like kind of near the top five, Harvick's going to be the better play. So, time yeah, for a lot, a lot for a lot less money. Yeah, exactly. So, I think the value is definitely there. Um, do we should we start the guys we missed lineup, or is there anything else you want to say about the the lineups here? I know we both commented that Briscoe and Suarez are priced too low. I'm not sure who who I would price swap them with, but I could probably think of somebody. Yeah, I think we should look at guys we missed. Okay. Um, I, I think it has to start with Chase Elliott. He's good here. I would agree. We neither of us have him. <laughs> Is there anyone else that jumps out? I guess Hamlin kind of. Yeah, let's go. Let's throw Hamlin on there, too. Those are pretty expensive plays, but I think they're probably the two best available. Um, I don't hate Logano, but I don't know if he'll fit into this lineup. But I think he's a decent choice. I also don't hate Austin Sindrick. Yeah, I mean, coming off the Daytona 500, he's he's only 8,000. And with two high-priced drivers, that kind of helps. Yeah, I like that pick. 
build out of guys we missed. I also think Eric Jones should be considered. Hmm. I know it's not a super speedway, but he has had some decent success here. He's only 5,000, which can make the guys we missed line up round out with anybody we want, really. Yeah. Yeah, it gives us... Oh, yeah, it really does give us a lot. Um, in that case, I would throw Joey Logano in there. Leaves us with 500 remaining. I actually like that lineup quite a bit, if I'm being honest. Yeah, yeah, I do too. I didn't realize how well that fit. <laughs> 9, 11, 2, 43, and 22. Yeah. Lock it in, the guys we missed. All right, so between our drafts and the guys we missed, I think we probably covered all the your best options. Um, I think what else we have here, I guess. Uh, do we want to talk about follow the leader for 200 laps? Is it worth it? Uh, Probably not. I guess my pick would just be pole sitter. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, it's probably something to to make a note of after qualifying. If we see something in qualifying that we think tells us something, um, then maybe we'll we'll put that out on Twitter if we feel like strongly about that. All right. Um, do you have a tournament and cash lineup set already, or are you still going through the thoughts on those? I have both of them set, actually. Okay. I do, too. Uh, obviously, I'll, so I'll start with my tournament. Okay. So I have the four of Harvick, the eight of Reddick, the 14 of Briscoe. So all guys that we drafted so far. Yep. I also have the two of Austin Sindrick because I wanted to have another Ford in there. Ford heavy. And then that lineup actually left me with enough remaining that I rounded it out with Kyle Larson. Vegas has has him as the odds-on favorite to win it. Mm. So since he fit, I figure why not have him in there? Yeah, I. It's hard to say anything against Kyle Larson. Like the uh, Daytona is not his track, so obviously it didn't go. We didn't see anything great from him there. But in terms of any other track, he's. He's been dominant for a while. I mean, he even looked pretty good at the clash. So I like Kyle Larson this week. Um, and he is in my uh, cash lineup. So I'll give him a cash lineup because I usually give him to you backwards anyway. Um, I'll start by saying I have the five, like I mentioned. Um, I also have the 11 of Hamlin, the 18 of Kyle Bush, 99 of Suarez. So there's my buy low and... Uh, lock and then the 23 of Bubba Wallace intrigued me at 6,000. Um, so kind of Toyota heavy. I'm thinking maybe they maybe they found something that uh will work for them this year more so in the races than qualifying, like we saw at Daytona. Um, so yeah, give me a Toyota heavy cash lineup is what I'm going with. Josh, what is your what's your cash look like? So my cash, I'm surprised that I was able to put this lineup together and still have 1,300 salary remaining. But I have the 18 of Kyle Busch, the 11 of Denny Hamlin, the 45 of Kurt Busch, the 6 of Keselowski, and the 43 of Eric Jones. Okay. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing egregious about that either. Uh, I, honestly, I think 
Kurt's going to be the most interesting to me. I mean, I have Bubba, so I can't really say much about 23-11. Like, I think they'll be fine, but it'll be interesting to see how Kurt handles the new car, I think. That's that's the thing I'm most curious about. Usually, like, the really veteran drivers, like Kurt Busch and Kevin Harvick, either excel when a new car comes in because they kind of know how to find the most out of it, or it handles in such a different way that they can't find that sort of limit anymore and it becomes a lot more difficult kind of new dog old tricks type of thing so we'll be curious to see how they do this year but i like the picks um i already told you my catch so i'll give you my tournament uh i did go a little bit off here and didn't have my uh lock or buy low because i kind of decided those during the podcast but for my tournament right now i still have hamlin so you could argue he's another strong pick for me in terms of what i think uh, who I think is going to do well. I have Truex from my drafts. Uh, I have Kurt Busch from your drafts and your cash lineup. Um, and then I have the 77 of Josh Balicki at $2,000 as a, you know, back marker that hopefully maybe finishes only a couple laps down, doesn't get involved in any wrecks. And I rounded out with Chase Elliott. So I basically need Chase Elliott, Kurt Busch, Truex, and Hamlin to finish top five for this lineup to work. The more I think about it, the more I'm iffy about it. But at this point, it's just wait until I see practice and qualifying and see if this is just nonsense or if I'm, you know, thinking straight. Yeah, I don't hate it. Yeah. I, I like taking the – I do like lineups with the low guy. You just, just picking the low guy who's going to finish. Yeah, I feel like typically I do a three and two strategy, like three higher priced, two lower priced. This is like a four higher price, one lower price kind of strategy, I think. Which, yeah, you usually are the one that comes out with that lineup, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, beginner's luck, I'm going to call it. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll watch qualifying or figure out where people qualify tomorrow. Um, and then we'll uh, release, you know, our new draft and our new lineups based on how qualifying went. Maybe everything will stay the same, but I highly doubt it. Yeah, there's definitely got to be some movement. And with qualifying Saturday, Saturday I'm going to give a double weather report tonight. Ooh. Uh, we have 70 and mostly sunny on Saturday and 74 and mostly sunny on Sunday with no rain in the forecast whatsoever. Wow. So we're going to have a beautiful California weekend of racing. Love it. Well, I look forward to it and look for us on the track, at least in iRacing, and uh, on Twitter at iRaceWeGamble. We'll uh, catch you next week. See ya.